Have you heard of a Facebook feed for your money? We're going to talk about that and a crazy client story that might make you appreciate grandma a little more this year. That's coming up on the show. From the streets of San Antonio, straight to your wallet, it's Jake's Two Cents on Jake of All Trades. And welcome back, everybody. I'm Kirk Barbera, and I'm not a financial expert. And I'm Jake. I am the financial expert, but together, Kirk and I review articles, talk about financial tools and financial planning concepts in the economy, all with the objective of helping our listeners manage their money both today and into the future. Yes. And today we're going to talk about an interesting article. Um, it looks like on FinTech that you sent to me. And, you know, part of what we try to do is talk about new tools and things like that for the audience. And this is the next revolution in personal finance, the financial feed. So you're saying it's like your, your analogy was a Facebook feed for your money. And that's interesting. What does that mean? Like what, so what exactly are we looking at in terms of this, um, you know, this new financial tool? So there's been, over the last probably like five or six years, there's been like a surge in fintech or financial technology. As technology companies are getting more and more advanced, as there's more and more data that's available out there, technology companies have taken a financial twist to create platforms like robo-advisors or um, all of these like these wealth management financial planning programs that are completely run by robots. Did instead you say of having robo-advisors? Someone like, yeah. yeah. Robo advisors. Wait Only a second. A Where do you I didn't get? Know about Are this? you a robot, Jake? I, <laughs> You're actually a robot. Oh man. Very Were you a robot when I when I, we, I was living in San Antonio? <laughs> Who knows? You look like a normal person, man. They're getting advanced. <laughs> okay, so robo advisors. Does this so scare you at all? Does this annoy you as an advisor? Well, so it was it was a big thing. A, several years ago that a lot of uh, several advisors thought, you know, this is going to be kind of the next generation of financial planning and it's going to push out advisors. But what robo advising never does is it, it, it doesn't, it's not able to uh, have that physical person there to help deal with the emotional side of financial planning. Mm-hmm. So everything that a robo advisor does is strictly based on formulas and algorithms mm-hmm. And it's going to have just like a general output. But the art of financial planning is all about the personalization and the process. And so that wasn't ever really recreated in the robo-advisor platform, Mm. which is fine because the robo-advisor platform, now that it's through several iterations, is not for everybody. But there are some people that have benefited from using those types of platforms that maybe they didn't have access to financial advice or, or investment education in other ways. So they were able to get it for a very low cost uh, by using a robo-advisor. Is this something like Acorn? and Acorn was kind of like born from that. Yeah. That doesn't have a robo-advisor attached to it, but it is a way to get exposure to people to have exposure to investing, uh, investing without with that one. someone yeah. like me. Mm-hmm. But the, I, I yeah. remember seeing the, yeah, all these apps that were like, you know, helping with tracking your money spend you know, that that's kind of a robo advisor where it's, and that actually, okay. So that makes a lot of sense. That's very helpful to know. Just like I actually find it very helpful to know how much screen time I'm on my iPhone. It tells Mm -hmm. me that I spend and I was looking at it and I actually deleted 
like TikTok and Instagram because I was like, oh man, this is too much. <laughs> I'm not going to say how many minutes that added up to something more than a minute. <laughs> that was a time you, hours in there. I won't, I won't say, but it was like a long time I was spending on these things. I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? I got to get out of here. And so, but it's the same thing with like, if you know how much you're spending on a particular, you know, outing, like I was always shocked when, when that first, my Wells Fargo app for, started, uh, or Wells Fargo started integrating my costs and creating like a, uh, um, like graphs. Like a- of what yes. I was spending, spending <laughs> and I was spending like, history, spending analysis. Yeah. It always reminds me of the office, just like everything in life does. And there's that <laughs> one episode that I think we talked about before when Oscar, the accountant helps uh-huh. Michael with his finances. And he's like, he has like these four bars on this, this graph. And, um, it's something like, here's the things that you need every day. Here are the extra things that you buy that are nice little things. And then you see this big, scary black bar. These are things that no human ever in the history of the world ever needs to buy. (laughs) And then Michael's like, wow, is, is this, is there, is this PowerPoint? I like how you play. He's not even paying attention to any of that. But anyway, the point is that there's a, um, that these things are very helpful in helping you see like in real time, the money you're spending. Right. And right. how you're spending it, like you're going out to eat and spending 50% of your budget on that. If you saved it, you might own a house, right? <laughs> right? Like exactly. That's helpful. So that's the perfect segue into this article, what you just said. The history of robo-advice and these budgeting apps and whatever else is that they, while they do produce a lot of data for you and they notify you of costs and help you monitor expenses... They're not doing what you said, which is, oh, well, if you saved this, you could actually invest it and buy a house in 10 years Mm. or would be better served paying down debt with this money rather than spending it here. That's what this technology does not do for anyone. It's simply been to up until this point reporting. And so this article is talking about the next iteration or the next revolution in this concept of a robo advice, robo advisors is that they're going to try to add the art essentially of financial planning in the form of a data feed, just like we experience with our Facebook. So a lot of people now use Facebook for their news feed because they follow so many news pages, right? And they were, we're used to the format of being able to scroll through and see a lot of information about a lot of different things. And it's customized for us because we've liked those pages. We like to follow the things we want to follow. So the idea behind this this personal finance feed is that it's going to be like that, but for your money. So not only is in your feed, it's going to include information about your expenses for the week, but it's also going to talk about the coronavirus and what that means for the stock market and the recent Mm. stock market decline and how that applies to your specific investment portfolio and how your need to enroll in your 401k is coming up and here are the steps to do it. So to me, the way I interpreted this, because this is not a real thing yet, they're, they're just speculating and they're trying to work on creating something like this, but it doesn't exist yet. The to me, I don't. I, I have a hard time seeing how this would be successful, really, because there is so much personalization when it comes to that next step 
of financial planning and financial advice. Yeah. What they're talking about is really that next step, which is advising someone, guiding someone, educating someone, helping them make decisions in their best interest. And I don't know how you run that with a computer. I just don't, I don't know, which that well, could be my total ignorance. Cause well, you know. so like th this is my opinion. I've done a little bit of reading and research into AI and technology and things like that. And I'm a big fan of um, Peter Thiel, the founder of PayPal. And, um, and he's now, you know, also found, uh, founder of Palantix and other tech companies, basically. And, you know, when he got started, you know, their goal was actually to fundamentally change finance in America. That was PayPal's mission. But in terms of technology, I, th I think you're right, by the way. And I think this is my opinion. I think that a lot of people rely too heavily or hope to rely too heavily on technology as a replacement rather than a tool. And that's where these things get mixed up. So we get in our fantasy heads, this idea that computers can do something that a human can't. And Peter Thiel in his book, zero to one, which is a book I really love. It's a, a like a guide to startups basically. Cause he founded these great startups, including he was the first outside investor for Facebook. So he made a little bit of money on that one. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> um, if you see the movie, the social network, by the way, uh -huh. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Oh yeah. 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 So he, Peter Thiel, Peter Thiel is in that movie. Not, not the act, not the person, but there's a person oh, who plays him and yeah. he's the one that Mark Zuckerberg goes to and gets all this money, this outside money. And that's Peter Thiel. And you know, he took a big gamble and it paid off for him or, you know, yeah. not a gamble. But anyway, so in his book, zero to one, he makes a really, really good analogy that I think is accurate and playing itself out all the time. And he talks about how we make a big deal about this new artificial intelligence computer that can identify, you know, in a whole bunch, if you like a whole bunch of pictures of different animals, people, things like that. It can identify cats like 70% of the time. And it's like, that's something a three-year-old could do 100% of the time. Right. And, um, you know, his point is that, <clears throat> um, there, we, I don't remember his quote, but it's something like, you know, we have to d understand the difference that a calculator can calculate something that no human can do. Right. And like no human can calculate as much, as many numbers as fast as a supercomputer. Just there's no human that right. can do it. But um, there's also no computer that can replace some aspects of the human mind and the way that the integrating machine between our ears works. And what he found and what he founded Palantix on, which was a um, computer, uh, it's, a, it's an online security company for cyber cybersecurity. Okay. And it's massive. It's billion dollars. It supposedly helped to track down and kill, not the killing part, Osama bin Laden. Although this is a rumor, but he works oh. a lot with the government. So that's the rumor. And his revelation was that, uh, it's not even a revelation, but I think it's the, his logic is that the best you know, um, tool or the best method is a symbiosis where computers are doing the things that computers do really well, which is like massive amounts of data very quickly mm -hmm. processing. And then humans do things to help, you know, with the finer judgments that it can't make. And mm -hmm. that I think is how, where I think all these things go. Um, and I think that's going to help in your industry too, where it's like, 
it would be useful for me to see, you know, not only how much money I'm spending, but also, yeah, some things about what I could be doing, but those are theoretical, right? Those are all like what right. I could be doing with it is always theoretical. It can't necessarily, it can give me options for, you know, where my money could be spent in terms of stocks or houses or whatever. But, you know, maybe I don't care about that stuff as much. And I want to um, never have kids and never get married and, you know, put it all into books and take bigger risks on my own novels that I'm writing. Right. So my, my mm -hmm. point is, I'm agreeing with you. It's a long, you know, winded statement about how technology yeah. fits in. I like that symbiotic relationship. Yeah analogy because that's really i mean that is what it is and i'm i was surprised when i read this article because we've seen so many iterations of technology advancements in financial planning and financial advising that now they're talking about something that's even more advanced more personalized with zero uh human interaction yeah i don't think so that's I ever like, gonna happen this just feels like it's yeah not but, zero you know yeah yeah so there's got to, I just think there's always got to be an element of the human mind thinking about these things. Because the conversation I have with my clients, you alluded to it perfectly. If your goal is not to ever have children or not ever to invest in anything other than books and writing and your own knowledge, that's something that a human would know at the beginning of the client advisor relationship. And then all of the advice that you're being given and the guidance that you're being provided is tailored towards that specifically. Well, those also, are the kinds of things that, you know, they, those can't be accomplished through something like this. Yeah. And also your, your mind changes and sometimes you don't even know how it's going to change. Like one annoying thing about social media is that it gives you a lot of the same things, mm -hmm. right? That you're based on your past likes, but not based on potential new likes and they tend, for me, they tend to get that really wrong. The things that I'm going to like, like they don't know, right. It could be radically oh, different, right. right? Like, so I could, you know, I'll just say like, I'm getting older and, and the kids and marriage thing is actually much more possible for me now. Like it's much more on my mind in a way that it wasn't in the past. And so if you're giving mm -hmm. me all this stuff about being single and stuff and it's like, well, hold on now, my mind is fundamentally shifting in a, in a drastic way. And this algorithm's not going to pick that up. But if you and I are right. having conversations and I'm, you know, say, Oh, I met a woman and think, you know, it's like, Oh, the things are changing. Right. And so that well, I agree with you hundred percent. I think these are going to be great tools, but they're never going to replace a person who just understands like, you know, how, Hey, how'd yeah. that date go? Right. <laughs> and that's like, right. your, exactly. your thing didn't, yeah. didn't talk about that. So, okay. Um, by the way, so for, yeah. Any other what? thoughts on this? No, I think that we covered it pretty well. It's a it's a cool concept. Yeah. It needs to be more well thought out. But I thought it was interesting. So so that means to share. it's time for the <laughs> word of the day, day, which is compound interest. Yes, compound interest. I I, I last I said I would do this and I didn't. I don't know how I'm gonna make it happen yet. Where like the sound comes with the compound interest that like floats in on the stars. Yeah, exactly. But we can. Um, I'll just throw in that sound again. Compound interest. <laughs> I'm too excited about these sounds. Beautiful. Things. And um, yes. So what is compound interest? And you know this is from Jake Revis. 
Compound so interest. compound interest. Most of you probably have heard this terminology before, but it's always good to refresh it because it's one of the most compelling and successful ways of building wealth over a long period of time. So it's one of the founding principles of financial planning. So compound interest is when we get interest on our money and we get more interest later on that now starts to accumulate or compound on top of our money and that previous interest. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that I bought a share of stock for $60. I hold it for a year and it grew by $20. So at the beginning of the next year, now I have a, my stock is worth $80, but my investment's only $60. Well, if I get a 5% rate of return on that $80, I got part of that on the interest that I earned. And so that's the interest that's growing on top of interest. And what happens over long periods of time is that bucket of money that was your initial principal investment and then the piece that was your interest gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, the interest being compounded is compounding more so on your interest than it is on the original principal that you put in. So nice. it's like grow, grow, grow. Yeah. yeah. So is this different than the concept of, um, invest, you know, what would you rather have, um, a penny that doubles every day or like 10% on $10,000 something like that, like monthly or something like, or something like, you know what I'm talking about? Or like a, the, somebody asked me this when I was really young, would you rather have a penny that doubles every day? Is that different? versus like 10% a week on a dollar. So that would be if you had a penny that doubled every day then your technically your return is 100%. So Yeah, but I'm just every day your return is 100%. So that in the compound interest example that would be it, it's still all compound interest. It's supposed to be for like 10 years as the it, it's something that I've heard in finance a couple of times where it's like getting people to realize the power of compound interest I think. Because a penny doubled every day is ends up being like eighty million dollars. I don't know what the number is. Like in, in like a, yeah. a or like maybe a year. Like very quickly, it's like in the millions, and that's the that's the that's how I was taught. I think it was compound interest, but I can't remember. Yes, I think so. The logic is always a dollar today is worth more than a dollar ten years from now. So that's how I was taught it always. If, if you're always, if you're ever given the option of you want a dollar today or a dollar oh five in two weeks, you take the dollar today because a dollar today allows you to immediately start investing it in something and taking advantage of that compound interest. And one thing that you can't ever get back is time. So the more and more time you've spent waiting to participate in something, an investment that ha that generates interest for you, the less and less of that compounding effect is going to occur. And so you can look at, there's all sorts of studies out there that show you, you know, savings for someone who was in their 20s versus somebody who was in their 50s. Yeah, that's the, and, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, the 20-year-old will put in just like $1,000 a month, but the 50-year-old you know, started at 50 and will put in $10,000 a month. But at the end, the 50 year old can never catch up to the 20 year old. And the reason being is because of that compound interest. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Cause I'm looking at these online. It's like, would you rather have uh, a penny double for every day for 30 days or $10,000 every yeah. day or $10,000 every day? 
So even if you got ten thousand dollars every day, that's like um, what is it? Less than a that's less than a penny a double doubling every day. A penny doubled every day for thirty days is over five million dollars. What? That's that's what I'm saying here. Do that math later. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what <laughs> that's this is saying. Crazy. Um, wow. Yeah, because it's like because it, it gets to a point where it's like day fifteen, it's one hundred sixty three dollars by day fifteen. So it's like by day eight, it's one twenty eight, and then it's two fifty six, then five twelve, ten twenty four. By day fifty, so ten dollars goes to twenty, to forty, to eighty, to one sixty three, to three twenty seven, to six fifty five, to thirty. So now it's six hundred fifty five dollars. Because so that's that's exactly compound interest, right? That's there. what I'm saying. So it's it's I sh- yep. like I think it sounds like the only one penny extra every day, but it's a penny no, that's double. Doubling so of is, the double. Yeah. yeah. So like by day 18, it's at $1,300 because it was just at 655. And then it goes to 2000 and 5,000, right? And then 10, 20, 40, 80, right? And then you're at 160, 355, 671, 13, 2.6, then 2.6 doubled is 5.3, right? 5.3. Yeah. Versus wow. like $10,000 a day for 30 days is. It's just going to be $10,000. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, every day. Yeah. So it's going to be $30,000 or $300,000. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's like, it, that's, so yeah, that's, that's the perfect. scenario that I remember that, learning it. Yep. And that's the, that is compound interest to a T. Now investments don't usually do that well. <laughs> I don't, I've never heard of one that does that well, yes. but the concept is there. And that's the concept that I want to hit home for everybody who's listening. Compound interest is your best friend. Oh yeah. Okay. Now it is. Time for my client story. I hope. Okay, you're on. The client story. I really like this. Uh, This uh, particular situation made me reflect on my grandmother, as I alluded to at the beginning of the show. So I met with a client not too long ago, and uh, he was telling me that his grandmother recently passed away. And... Um, she had over 30 years ago invested some money in uh, Frito-Lay. So her husband at the time, this was more than 30 years ago, started working for Frito-Lay and he came home one day and said, uh, I think this is a really great company. We should start putting some investing some money into it, which but to preface this, I'm not recommending investing in Frito-Lay. This is not a recommendation for that. I'm just talking about a story. So, uh, he was, he said to invest in Frito-Lay. So they did, and they used compound interest beautifully. And they just put a little bit of money away in this Frito-Lay account. Well, fast forward 30 years, my client meeting with my client, his grandmother passed away. And he tells me that, um, she had $4 million in Frito-Lay stock at the time of her death. That was over a 30 year time period. So that is a perfect illustration of compound interest, number one. Number two, that surprised all of the beneficiaries of her estate because nobody knew she had this money. And so each of the kids was able to receive a million dollars in Frito-Lay stock because granny tried, decided to just set a little bit aside 30 years ago and it just ballooned into something huge. And so I love that story because it's just the perfect illustration of being persistent uh, and and waving the riding these waves of investments as they go along is a perfect scenario with what we're experiencing right now. Remembering 
that it's about the investment that you've selected and how you feel about it and also the objective for the money, making sure that it's appropriate. And then over time, this can be what happens. So really cool client story. You never know what's gonna happen. So don't write off granny from the beginning. My granny doesn't have anything, but I love her anyway. But don't write off other grannies from the beginning, all right? That's the don't, client story. Don't write off granny. Okay. There's. <laughs> I just blew an air horn for that one. <laughs> don't write off granny. Okay. So yes, and it's always it's always difficult it. talking about finances with you know recently deceased, but we've talked about this on previous shows because the great wealth transfer is coming. Or we're in the process yeah. of it. Where that's just a reality of life, and this is yeah. part of it. Where a lot of that stuff is going to be transferring to the younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, so that's that. Yeah, that's a really cute story. I think, and it it has an important lesson about investing. And one thing, one question I have: if we're investing in today, for instance, in mostly like mutual funds, is that mm-hmm. is that what? Um, well, you don't recommend that. You recommend diversify. So have some stocks. Have so, so can that happen today too if we're like really diversified? Like, because maybe sure. she wasn't super diversified. So she wouldn't have been super diversified because she would have just been buying Frito Lay stock. So there is a lot of risk there because all of your money is tied up with one company. That's not something I usually advise you do. Yeah. Um, because that's why we do use mutual funds is that you get that immediate diversification because by buying the mutual fund, then the mutual fund owns a lot of different companies, not just one. Um, but that concept can still apply using a mutual fund or investing in an individual stock. The performance is might, I mean, it's going to be different, but remember the risks associated with it. The point really to remember from the story is that just putting money away consistently in something of value over time yeah. is gonna reap Especially if you could double you. that penny. If you can double that penny, let me in on yeah, exactly. that. Let's do that. <laughs> Just take us 30 days. How can we do this after somehow? Um, all right. Well, that. thank you very much. Any last thoughts before we go? I think that wraps up this episode. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode, the word of the day. Go out there, use compound interest. And if you're young and you're not investing in something yet, remember the compound interest philosophy because it really makes a difference. Yep. All right, guys, check us out on the internet by searching for at Jake's Two Cents on social media and the blog at jakestwocents.com. Have a great day. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network. Member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. Actual performance and results will vary. These interviews do not constitute a recommendation as to the suitability of any investment for any person or persons having circumstances similar to those portrayed. Consult a financial advisor regarding your specific circumstances.